Afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show. Welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with us here. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, on this Thursday afternoon. Here's, here is how the question was framed to us in Gambo's email that he sent at 2.45 this morning. Kidding. Um, I could have. Yeah, you probably could have. Kevin Durant has two rings. Kawhi Leonard has two rings. Kevin Durant has two NBA Finals MVP awards. Kawhi Leonard has two NBA Finals MVP awards. Both players play for franchises that have never won an NBA championship. Clippers have been around for 53 years. Suns have been around for 55 years. I think you might have flipped that. But um, anyway, who can further cement their legacy with a championship? To whom would it mean more? If they could win a title this year, Durant with the Suns or Kawhi with the Clippers? It's an interesting question. It it is. And the the, the fascinating thing is that, you know, both guys. That you know, when you put their resume side by side, there's there's there is a lot of similarities, you know, there in, in what these guys have accomplished. I mean, they're both absolute superstars. Um, so, with that being said, you think of Kawhi. Won it with San Antonio when he was young. Went to Toronto for a year as a, as a you know as a rent, rented guy. Led him to the championship, and now trying to deliver the Clippers their first championship. They've never won it. Trying to deliver it. KD, two championship rings with Golden State. Went to the the Nets and and it didn't work out. Now he's with the Suns, trying to win the Suns their first ever championship. So you know, if one of these guys got their third ring, how it, how does it affect their legacy? Can you imagine being a guy that's led three different teams to championships? Mm-hmm. How many players in the history of sports have done that? I don't know, but I I mean I I'd, I'd like to look that up. How many different athletes have been on three different championship teams? That's you know doesn't happen very often. LeBron's done it. LeBron's LeBron done it. has done it. Yeah. yeah, Cleveland, Miami, and the Lakers. Yeah, but that's like that's pretty impressive company to be with with guys that have done it. Now, Kevin Durant, if he could win one here, almost get you out of that shadow of being with Curry and Clay yeah. and all the knocks against Kevin that you just left Oklahoma City to join this team and they had already won without you and then they won after you. So how much were you a factor? Well, he was a big factor. They probably, they might not win those championships without him. He was the NBA Finals MVP both years. So I I, I think he gets a, a negative knock for joining that team, but I think that team, maybe they don't win it without him. We'll never know. But if he could win one with the Phoenix Suns and separate himself from that, I think that would really help his legacy. Right, Mitch just did a quick search. Uh, bravo, Mitch. Robert Ori has done it. Of course, that one should have okay, come to role mind. Role player. Yeah. Um, I just, yep, I'm just yep. bringing up names. I know. Yeah, give Dan, me the guys. Danny Green's done it. Uh, hmm. John Sally's done it. Okay. Those, are, those are like the three, and you're right, none of them were like the guy, the guy. who led their teams to those championships. I Okay, so we Mitch did the thing, and he turned it into the poll question. Mitch and Eric did the thing, and they turned it into the poll question today. And without having given the matter much thought, I just kind of off the cuff answered Kevin Durant for exactly the reason that you just said, okay. right? For the reason that he was kind of in the shadow of the power trio of the Warriors when they won those two championships, and even even though he won the finals MVP, he was kind of looked upon as a coat 
Kale writer in those series. Even though he wasn't, he was very, very good, and he was the finals MVP. He was already joining a great franchise, whereas the Suns don't have that kind of legacy that the Warriors did. I thought about it during the last break, and the answer is Kawhi. At least as far as I'm concerned, the answer is Kawhi. It would, it would, it would cement his legacy more, and here to me is the reason why. Two of those three championships he would have won were with the Toronto Raptors, a decent organization, but never one that's had any kind of real sustained success in this league, and the LA Clippers, which to be honest, until their current owner purchased them, they were the joke of the NBA, right? I mean, the Clippers were the punchline of the National Basketball Association. To lead those two organizations to championships, specifically those two organizations, is the kind of milestone achievement upon which you go, man, like... The Suns are have always been good. Right? It's it's kind of a miracle they haven't won a championship by now in their fifty some odd years. The Clippers they've been awful. The Raptors they're just okay. Right? Not a lot of people want to go play in Toronto. It's north of the border. The taxes, all of that stuff. Right? To win a championship for two organizations that honestly are not considered to be two premier destinations. I mean the Clippers. They are so far the second most important NBA franchise in their own market. They have to compete with the Lakers every single day, every single season. For him to win one there, I think the answer is Kawhi. Barely by a nose, but I think the answer is Guys always wanted out of Toronto, right? Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, a lot of the great players they had. Didn't get a lot of attention there. Yeah, Vince Carter was so great, and then he went to New Jersey and eventually played for the Phoenix Suns at one point. Um, You know, played forever, but he got out of Toronto, and Chris Bosh got out of Toronto. And so to deliver that championship to them was huge, but then he left to go play in L.A. with Paul George. Yeah, I think it's Kawhi by a nose. Because I understand the value of what what what, a, what what another championship would mean to each guy. Their legacies, like both guys, are all NBA seventy fifth anniversary team members. Oh, sure, both guys. Their their resumes are like honestly, like their resumes are very very similar. Yeah, Durant's got like more All Star appearance and stuff like that. But you know, both guys all NBA seventy fifth. Both guys two rings. Both guys two time two Finals MVPs. There, there's some similarities there with both with both guys. I think if you stripped away the rings and you just looked at the two players, I think Kevin Durant is the more decorated player. I agree. I, I think I think Kevin I agree. Durant is the, if you just take away the titles mm-hmm. and say. Who who had a greater impact on the NBA? There are people who think Kevin Durant might be the best offensive player in the history of the association. That there's never been a better sheer offensive guy yes. in the history of the NBA. Uh-huh. So I, I think that is what, it in part, would help the argument for Kevin Durant, right? Like, but I and maybe that's what props Kawhi over that a little bit to say, hey, if he got his third, that would pull him slightly ahead. It's it's a good fun sports bar kind of debate that there's no real right answer. It's just the kind of thing that people sit around and talk about. But man, if you're able to close out your career, not that Kawhi's going to retire, but close out your career by winning one with the Raptors and winning one with the Clippers, that's, that's right. a nice hook to hang your hat on if you're an NBA player. Yeah, yeah. Three different... So that list is short. The list of guys that have won three championships is small. Was that the only list? I mean, were there others? Or did, was the Mitch were those was the that just guys? basketball? Well, so Austin did a nice little quick search for us. Those were the four names that populated. The one I left out, obviously, was LeBron. But to Gambo's point of the whole being the guy on the team and to have done it three times, I feel like the only applicable answer is LeBron. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, unless there's, I mean, other sports. There's nobody in football. I checked. You, you looked in football. Wow. Okay, nobody so in nobody football. In football. Baseball? baseball. Baseball. There was some guys, but they're I mean, like Schilling one too, or Stuffy McInnes. Like <laughs> throw, throw some names. Throw some players. names at me. Throw a couple more. Uh, Jack Morris. Okay, Jack Morris was a great player. He was a great player. Twins and the Blue Jays. Okay, he was a great player. You, before your time, he was a great pitcher. Wally Schnang or Shang. Don't know him. Those are the four that pop up. I can keep on looking for more. But Jack Morris is a good one because he was really good. He but was it's really good. Baseball though too, because baseball is such a team sport. You right. can't just you can't be the p- pitcher and get the World Series ring Jack, by yourself. Jack Morris is pitching what two games in the World Series, maybe right. three at the most. He pitched the greatest game I've ever oh, seen in my I, life. I, Jack I get Morris, that, but, but I mean the, the the amount of responsibility on an NBA player, given that there's only five of them on the floor, is yeah. a, a much Bullet greater Joe Bush. thing. John Lackey, Lonnie Smith. John Lackey couple. was okay. He's okay. A, Angels a mainly. List of MLB players, but again, MLB is kind of a different animal than the other two. Jack Morris against John Smoltz. Remember at the World course, Series? Oh my god, best game I've ever seen in my life. Best game I've ever seen. Join us at the Top Golf Swing Suite at Gila River Resorts and Casinos tomorrow from two until six. Giving away Suns playoff T-shirts, water bottles, and backpacks. You can meet Suns legend Tom Chambers from five until six. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details. You must be twenty one years and over to attend the event. The Arizona Coyotes wrap up their season tonight, and they're hoping to have a new home sometime in the next couple of months. How does the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, feel about the progress to get that arena built? We'll ask him next, only on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Coyotes wrap up the regular season tonight, and then the very important part of the offseason. Ballots will be mailed out on April 19th. Tempe voters will decide on an arena proposal for the Coyotes on props 301, 302, and 303 by May 16th. And joining us right now on the Burns and Gambo Show, in town in part to talk about the arena initiative, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Commissioner Bettman, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to town and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. And I'm looking forward to tonight's game at the beautiful Mullet Arena. Yeah, it's been a, a pleasant surprise, Commissioner. It's been a pleasant surprise. It's the, the atmosphere has been fantastic. The fans actually love it. I know it's temporary, but it has really worked out better than I think most people thought it would when a lot of people were criticizing the move before it happened. Well, you know, it's, it's always easy to criticize. Listen, uh, first of all, we're grateful to ASU, as I know the Coyotes are, uh, for sharing mullet. And as you said, it can only be temporary because it doesn't work long term. Uh, but frankly, the Coyotes had no choice because they had no other options as to where they could play. And so this, under the circumstances, has worked out great. And uh, we are hopeful and optimistic about the referendum. And uh, once it's approved, if it's approved, I'm hoping it is, uh, we then see an incredible future, not just for the Coyotes, but for Tempe with, with this amazing project that's frankly being built privately on land that right now has no other use. 
Commissioner, I, I, I know what it's like, you know, growing up in New York, being an Islander fan, four Stanley Cups in a row, and the, the, that was my favorite team. And having to worry about your team leaving. I mean, I went to so many games at the Nassau Coliseum, and I was always worried after the fact when all the rumors came that they were going to leave and go somewhere else. So I know what that's like for Coyote fans to, to worry about their team. So let me ask you why you and the NHL are so supportive of the Coyotes in this project. Well, and you know, to punctuate what you said, I'm not sure over the last two and a half decades any sports league could have been any more supportive, including buying the team out of the bank out of bankruptcy by the league so it could stay here. Uh, we love being here. This is an important part of our footprint. Uh, Arizona is great for sports, and I think we would lose something if we weren't here. Uh, and, you know, the fan support not only has been great, but we're part of a growing, thriving community, and we want to continue to be a part of that. And so having an owner like Alex Morello, who's prepared to not only invest in the team, but invest in Tempe, you know, with resources that are necessary to do it, shows the same type of commitment that we've shown to Arizona since the Coyotes came here. Commissioner Gary Bettman from the NHL, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. I, I know this has been discussed in the past, but should this arena deal pass, you mentioned it being a good deal for Tempe and a good deal for the NHL in Tempe. I would imagine that there would be potentially things to follow that in terms of some of the crown jewel events that the NHL has to offer for a new arena. Absolutely. Absolutely. Draft, all-star game. We've even had some discussions with uh, uh, management about the possibility of an outdoor game at Sun Devil Stadium. I mean, as I've said from the beginning, this is a place we want to be. And once we know the future is secure, we can focus on bringing our major events here to connect with our fans in Arizona. The ballots go out on April 19th, uh, May or April 19th, I should say. I'm sorry, I misspoke there for a minute. May 16th is the deadline for the, the ballots to come in. Will you and the team expect to get, for lack of a better way of putting it, like real-time updates on how things are going, or, or do you think you will not know until May 16th? I, the answer is, I don't know the answer to that <laughs> question, because I'm not an expert on how... Arizona or Tempe conducts its elections, uh, I assume once the result is in, we'll learn very quickly. Do you expect, Commissioner, that, uh, you know, listen, I've been to places where the arena is very far away from the public. I've been to Ottawa for games and the, with the old Corral Center and how far away that was. Here, being in the West Valley in Arizona was not really good when the fan base is very East Valley located. Do you believe that this could really benefit the fan base if this project gets done because it is so centrally located in the Valley? I believe that this location is perfect, and for all the reasons we discussed, I, I love this project. You're going to take a land, toxic landfill that's been laying dormant for decades. It's going to be cleaned up privately when, when my guess is the city hasn't had the funds to do it. You're going to get a brand-new state-of-the-art arena, a mixed-use uh, development project and entertainment center uh, complex, uh, and it's going to be right here 
in the heart of Tempe, uh, where there are so many people that, that continue to come here, not just students at ASU. I mean, this thing is terrific. It's a win-win for everybody, which, again, is why I'm hopeful and optimistic, because this opportunity is incredible for everybody. The the Coyotes' history, there has been a lot of you know different owners, including you. The NHL has owned the organization for a short amount of time, and we, we've dealt with it. And uh, from Jerry Moyes to Steve Ellman and, and Wayne Gretzky and Richard Burke, and you you know the you know how how long that list is. What makes you so confident in Alex Morello as an owner? Well, first of all, I've dealt with him now for more than four years. Uh, secondly, uh, he has resources and made commitments beyond which we've ever seen before. And keep in mind, he's not only been vetted uh, by Tempe, uh, he has business interests in banking and in the gaming industry in Nevada. So he, he's been in hev- and is in heavily regulated interests. Uh, industries. He is the real deal. And uh, having worked with him, uh, he's got incredible passion. He has incredible vision, which is evidenced by this project. Uh, and he's really brought stability to the franchise and everything they're doing now is first class. Commissioner, I have to ask you this before we let you go. Um, the Coyotes have had several opportunities. They've been here for a long time. If for some reason this doesn't pass, and I know you're not thinking that way, and nobody is, they're trying to get this through, but there's a lot of different states that would want a professional hockey team, and you're, you're probably in Canada as well. Do you look at this as a last-ditch effort to save the Coyotes in Arizona? I'm not going there. I've been asked that question probably 40 times today. The answer is we're focused on the referendum and getting it passed. We're not focused on anything else right now. Commissioner Bettman, thank you for the time. Enjoy your stay. Enjoy mullet tonight. And uh, good luck with the vote to the league and to the organization. Thank you for your interest and your support. And uh, it's always great to be here to be with you. So thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Commissioner Commissioner Bettman. We appreciate it. That is Commissioner Gary Bettman of the National Hockey League, our guest here on the Burns in Gambo show. Phoenix Suns back in the playoffs. We're giving you the chance to score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word ticket to 620-620. Register and listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 1 tickets to see the Suns and the Clippers. Again, text the word ticket to 620-620. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the NBA Western Conference is completely upside down. We've got the proof of that next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. It was funny when we had George Sedano on the show earlier uh, from ESPN 710 in Los Angeles and we were previewing the Clippers game in the series. And he, and he said, you could hear him like pausing his voice. He's like, look, no offense, but... Everybody wanted to play the Sacramento Kings, right? Like everybody. Like we, we were talking about how the season ended and how the Clippers handled that last game of the year against the Suns and, and whether they should have done something better to try to get a better matchup. And he kind of paused. He's like, I know I'm going to hear from the Kings fans for saying this, but everybody wanted the Sacramento Kings. Everybody did. And there was, um, 
on ESPN today. They had the, it, 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 we're all we're we're radio, so it's audio, right? But there was a really good visual of why the NBA's Western Conference is kind of such a mess before the playoffs start. And basically, on the left side of the picture is the actual standings of the NBA's Western Conference, and on the right side of the picture is. Vegas's odds to who's actually going to win the West? Yeah, it's all upside down in the West. It's, 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 mm. it's all it's all upside down. Right. Denver finished with the first best record. They've got the third best odds. Mm. Memphis finished with the second best record. They've got the fifth best odds. Sacramento finished with the third best record. They've got the seventh best odds to win the Western and Conference. And in the East, and the, it's straight line, straight chalk. Milwaukee one, one. Boston two, they're two. Philly three, they're three. Cleveland four, they're four. Wow. The Knicks five, they're five. Yeah, like a straight line right across the chart to show you that in the East. They finished exactly the way it's expected to go. Whereas in the West, well, it's all flipped. Have there, there haven't been any major changes with Milwaukee. They did have Jay Crowder. There haven't been any major changes to Cleveland. Um, they've had Donovan Mitchell all year. There haven't been any major changes to Philly. Haven't been any, any major changes to uh, Boston. Where in the in the West. Golden State has dealt with a bunch of injuries. The Suns have dealt with a bunch of injuries, and they added a superstar who's only played eight games with them. Um, so you look at the teams that may be more favored. L.A., the Lakers have dealt with a bunch of injuries to the key players. It's very hard to figure out the West because they just the, – those those teams and their best three-man rotation, their best five-man rotation, haven't played a whole lot together. No. Where in the East, there's a lot more stability, and it's a lot easier to gauge how good those teams are than here in the West. And that, to me, was the fundamental question of this. And as we go into the postseason and we try to you know look at it from 30,000 feet and look at the West, that, to me, is the fundamental question. And they even ask it in the article. The question, they write, becomes, what do you trust more? The players and teams that have been consistent all season or the superstars with the rings who have played better in recent weeks? Because they point out that not only does Vegas think the Suns are the odds-on favorite to win the West and Golden State's two and the Lakers are four, but they point out that the three teams with the three best net ratings since the All-Star break, Golden State, the Lakers, and the Suns. So it's not just Vegas. Right. It's the way they've played since the All-Star break that kind of say they've actually been the best teams in the West for the last two months or right. so. And Wiggins has missed so much time, and the Lakers even the Lakers had a you know major shakeup to their roster, a major shakeup. I mean, D'Lo wasn't there, and Hashimura wasn't there, and nobody knew who Austin Reeves was. So, you know, that's... Listen, I think the Grizzlies take care of the Lakers. I'm, I haven't bought the, the Lakers all year, but there's also something to be said. We talked about this the other day. The Denver Nuggets had the best record in the West. Mm-hmm. Had the best record in the West. That is the worst best record in the West since the 78 Supersonics. Yes. Okay? The Memphis Grizzlies had the best point differential in the West. They had the best. They're number two. That is the best worst point differential. Does that make sense? The worst best point differential. That is the worst best point differential since 83 Lakers. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going back decades and decades to find teams that, you know... 
that can match up to what the top two teams in the West did. That shows you how weak the West was yeah, this year. They're historically <laughs> flimsy top seeds. And, and I, I look, I mean that as no disrespect to Denver, but it's disrespectful, but I'll say it anyway. They're historically flimsy top seeds. For the, the, the win-loss record, the point differential, I mean, coming some of that basic stuff. So yeah, you're going to ask me, am I willing to take away, a, take an 82 game sample size and say it's meaningless? That it doesn't count for anything. In this regard, I don't know how much it means. I really, really don't. Because the Warriors, we know they haven't been the version of themselves they've wanted to be, but they are now. The Suns, they've been able to start their actual desired starting lineup, what, 14 times this year? 13 times? I can but, guess, but, but, but the one like that's that. going to start the playoffs is only going to be eight. Right. The one that's going to start game one of the playoffs yeah, is only played yeah, the preferred starting lineup. That goes back to Cam Johnson. That goes back to Mikel Bridges. You're talking about a Kevin Durant-led Suns team? We've seen that team eight times, but I'm right. going to trust that. I'm going to trust the Warriors more than I'm going to trust the Denver Nuggets. Sorry. Sorry, Mitch. You know, you're a Nuggets fan, but I, I, this is the truth. The Kings, man, the Kings. Now, you've brought this point up many, many times. Okay. The Sacramento Kings... You can make an argument they're the Phoenix Suns of two years ago. Suns were thought of the same way. Oh, they don't have any playoff experience. How's Booker going to do when he gets to the postseason? How Aiton going to do when he gets to the postseason? I, I think they're really good. They, they, they did, but the problem is that they problem is they just like they're they, they're not good defensively. They're great offensively. It's one of the most incredible. Their off the way they run their offense with the handoffs. It's a hand. It's like playing football. is is unlike anything we've seen in the NBA before. That offense runs through the center, Sabonis, mm-hmm. and it's all handoffs. If you watch back to the basket, I'm going to hand it off here. I'm going to hand it off there. I'm going to fake a handoff here. I'm going to. It really is. It's an NFL offense, and they hand it off to Werder, and he hits a three, and they hand it off to Barnes, and he hits a three, and they hand it off to Fox, and he hits a three, and they hand it off to Monk, and he hits it like like it's an incredible offense. Like no offense hands the ball off like the Sacramento Kings done. No offense. I you know we never talked about it, but I sent you some information on that a few weeks ago. It was a fascinating story. We just never got around to it because mm-hmm. I mean you know it, it would be a segment on the. Sacramento Kings, we're here in Phoenix, we got the Suns. But it is unlike anything we've ever seen with the way that offense runs. The problem is, like, Sabonis is not a rim protector. They're not great. To, but but as far as scoring, they can score the basketball. Sure. They can score. And my point about Sacramento is I want to believe in them. I, I really do. I want to think, hey, you know what? Give them their flowers. They're owed that. They, they, they've got a, a coach who's been there and done that. They've got really good players. They are the Suns of two years ago. The, the team that, hey, they're just happy to be here. They have no playoff experience. Everybody just assumes that the minute the series of the Kings and the Warriors begins, that the Warriors' experience is just going to be an avalanche, and it's just going to rain all over the Kings. it probably will be. And it probably will be, but there's that little part in your heart that loved what the Suns did two years ago and looks at the Kings and says, why not them? Why can't they do what the Suns did? And I think you're right. I think the reason why is is they don't defend very well. The Suns of two years ago went into the postseason with an elite defense that right. year. And who did the Suns play in the playoffs in the first round? They played the Lakers. A totally banged up Laker team. A lot of injuries. Who did they play in the second round? They played the Nuggets. Where was Jamal Murray? He was sitting on a bench. Who did they play in the third round? They were playing the Paul George-led... L.A. Clippers, no quiet. Sacramento's not getting that type of break. No, Golden State's going to be at full strength in the first round. Yeah, no, no. It's just they're easy to root for. They're easy to root for because they remind you of you. 
a couple of years ago if you're a Suns fan. At least they should. I agree. They should remind you of you a couple of years ago. But do I trust them? I, listen, no, I don't trust I'm them. I'm rooting for them. them. I don't trust Memphis. I don't trust Denver. I wouldn't trust any of those teams if I were fans of those teams right now. We had Vic Lombardi on from Denver a couple of weeks ago. He's like, the second the Phoenix Suns got Kevin Durant, you could hear all of Denver groan. Like, oh, God, are you serious? Kevin Durant, we got to go through that. Thanks, now. Kyrie. Yeah, appreciate Wish it. Didn't want out. That's that's how I'd rather be the Suns. I'd rather be the Warriors than anybody else in the Listen, right now. Every Suns fan is rooting for Sacramento to beat Golden State. You just want to you you want to play a game of Survivor. You want to eliminate somebody. You want to eliminate the Golden State Warriors as quickly as you can because they they do pose a problem because of all that experience. You can text us your thoughts on the Suns' playoff run to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty. We'll read the best ones on the air if we get a chance here. When we come back, we understand it's crazy early. But could the Arizona Diamondbacks, wait for it, win the National League West? That's coming up here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Low-key, I'm a little bummed by it. Low-key, no Diamondbacks baseball tonight. Oh, I'm bummed by that. The Rays won again today. The freaking Rays won again. I know. It's insanity. 13 and 0. Yeah. 13 and 0. They they tied the modern MLB record. The last time a team had a better start than the Tampa Rays, it was 19 it was 1884. 19, 1984 would have been a long time ago. If I would have said the last time a team did this, it was 1984. It was 40 years ago, 1984. 1884, the St. Louis Maroons started 20-0. The last time a team in baseball, Major League Baseball, started better than 13-0 Wait. was 1884. Are you sure you're reading that set right? I'm looking at the ESPN.com story. Yeah. Tampa Bay matched. Okay, no, I you're said, right. Okay, matched. I, yes. Yeah, you're better. You're right. Okay, I, I, yep, you're right. Yeah, the last yeah. time was better than that. Yeah, the two yeah. teams that were 13-0 were the Braves and the Brewers, 82 and 87. But the last time a team had a better record than 13-0 was the 1884 St. Louis Maroons. St. Louis Maroons mm. of the Union Association. They've also outscored their opponents 101-30 to 30 so far this Jeez. season. It's insane. It's just insane. Their starting pitching is unreal. Well, their starting pitching is unreal. And they just keep hitting homers, Not too. just their starting pitching. Like, literally everything about Every them is really cool. It's unbelievable. Wanda like Franco. 32 homers so far this season as a team or something ridiculous what like that. What an incredible it's team. absolutely insane. All right, but enough about them because we don't want to have any expansion franchise envy when it comes to Tampa Bay. Let's talk about our Arizona Diamondbacks for a minute because their hot start, okay, it's not 13-0. and It's not the best start since the St. Louis Maroons of 1884, but it's good enough that it's capturing people's attention today on ESPN.com. The uh, they called it the hottest hot takes two weeks into the season, and they collected all their. This was actually kind of a fun idea. They collected all their baseball writers, and they said, "Okay, give us your hottest take." And then somebody, some editor somewhere, ranked them and like, "Okay, that's kind of mild. Okay, that's sort of spicy. Oh, that one's got some kick to it. Oh, that one's like flaming hot." Right? Here was the one that involved the Arizona Diamondbacks. It came from Jesse Rogers. Okay, and his hot take was: None of last year's six division winners will repeat. None. And specifically in the West, 
He said in the National League, the San Diego Padres or even the Arizona Diamondbacks will win the National League West. It was the Arizona Diamondbacks may win the West. It was considered a very hot take by the editor in charge of ranking these things like that. Wow. The, wow. The Arizona Diamondbacks. A hot take. I mean, it, the game has changed. Like, the game has changed. Like, you, the, the ability with these stolen bases and the speed and everything. I was telling you about the Dodgers and just how different the Dodgers are because they, they, they are more of a, you know, we need to hit the long ball. We don't know. Because there are teams, good baseball teams, that now don't have that weapon that everybody else has. They don't have that weapon. And so other teams can use that. And you can, like, if you're the Dodgers, you don't have speed. For a guy that you know that that made his living on speed, he manages a team that doesn't have any speed. That's <laughs> true. No, it's true. Dave Roberts was—I mean—he had one of the most famous stolen bases in the history of baseball, mm-hmm. and his team is not doesn't have any speed. I mean, they got to rely more on home runs and stuff like that. Now, it, are the Diamondbacks going to win the West? Who the hell knows? Uh, it's April. What is that? The fourteenth, right? April thirteenth. I'm sorry. It's, it, who knows? Season's two weeks old. But the fact that you could even have you could put something like that on a reputable website like ESPN.com and do it with a straight face shows you just how legit the start is by the Diamondbacks, how much attention grabbing the start is by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that as good as things have been, they could be better for Arizona, right? And specifically, their starting pitching could be better. Zach Gallen kind of turned things around. Merrill Kelly did better his last time, but the walks are still an issue. He's walked four batters in all three games. Last year in an entire season, he he walked four batters three times. So he's already matched that. So a little bit of a concern. Yeah, your number three starter has been terrible. Your number four starter is on the IL. Trey Jamison's been fine filling. He's been really good filling. He's been really good. I mean, just the one start, but he's he's been been good all year. The bullpen, too. He's he's done very, very well. So it's not like like you're you're here because your starting pitching has been phenomenal or or even that you're hitting a lot of home runs. You've really embraced the thing about your team that makes it so unique, to your point. And you're winning games because of it. And you're not just winning games. You're beating good teams. You should have been 2-0 against San Diego. You took 3-4 from the Dodgers during the homes. Now, maybe the Dodgers are going to be a little bit down this year. I don't know. But you still took 3-4 from them. Milwaukee came in here with the second most wins in baseball when that series started. You took 2-3 from them. You're doing it against competition. Like the Rays, the one knock I've seen on the Rays in the start that they're off to, and it's I, I'll admit it's kind of a weak knock, but the knock on them is that their schedule, you look at the teams that they've beaten, and it's like, well, okay, let's see how they do when things get a little sure. tougher, and it might not last because they haven't exactly played the best in baseball. The Diamondbacks have been doing this largely against the very best teams in the National League. I think that matters a little bit yeah. in this equation. No, and, and 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 that speed also lends to, we talked about how great their outfield defense is. I was reading a story today that says, you know, not only their outfield defense, like their infield defense has been really good. They've made one error in 11 games. Like one error. Last year they made 57 or one every 2.8 games, and now they, I think they have one error in the infield. So their defense has been really good. Now it helps to get Nick Ahmed back. It really does. Helps to get Ahmed back because he's still a superior outfielder. Christian Walk has become a very good defensive player. Cattell Marte lost a little bit of weight. That gives him a little more range. So that's helped him a lot. And Evan Longoria at third base, instead of the, I mean, they were parading guys around third base all, I thought they were going to call Brooks Robinson out of retirement last year. It was so bad. Uh, but Evan 
Evan Longoria steadies third base quite a bit because he's still a very good defensive third baseman. Diamondbacks are off tonight. They open up a road trip tomorrow. They're in Miami taking on the Marlins. Mad Bum gets the start now. So far, so good. Knock on wood. When it comes to being able to watch the Diamondbacks on TV, the Bally Sports, it's been it's been working. Nothing bad has happened yet. The story that came out today is that Diamond Sports, they're the parent company of the Bally Sports Regional Networks. They're going to cut the fees that they pay to three baseball teams. The Arizona Diamondbacks are one of those three teams. Diamondbacks count on that revenue, obviously, to help them feel the baseball sure. team. Sure. Well, you build a budget around that. Yes, you do. You build your, what they're saying is that the market's changed. The landscape has changed. There are 30% less people buying that have cable TV now. So because of that, we have a right to adjust our payments to you. We can't keep paying you what it was when it was a bigger audience. So we We've decided that we are going to pay you less. Now, obviously, Major League Baseball and the Diamondbacks are fighting that. Say, wait a second, you you can't do that. So um, the Diamondbacks filed their own motion seeking full pay or an end to the contract. But because Diamond cut off payments to the Diamondbacks before they filed Chapter 11, they're in a different legal category. So they're basically saying, hey, look, we're not going to pay you what, what's on the contract. We're going to redo the contract. The problem is they haven't paid the Diamondbacks anything yet. Like they haven't made a payment to the Diamondbacks yet for their for their fees. They're trying to get a deal. So so here they are broadcasting games mm-hmm. and not paying. I'm broadca- they're making money every time they broadcast the game because they're getting commercial rights fees and commercial fees and stuff like that, but they're not paying the Diamondbacks. This makes absolutely no sense. No, it doesn't. And, and I, I got to admit, a lot of it is beyond my pay grade. A lot of it is over my head. I do understand the money that comes from these regional sports network and how it, like you say, it sets the budget basically for the organization. Man, I mostly, and I think most fans would agree, I just want to know that when I get home at night and I, I push that button on my TV, I can watch the game. Right? I'm actually over $30 million. Okay, that's... You know, there's there's a payroll. There's people that have to get paid. Like that's. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I, you I, just want to make sure you get to I watch just, the game. But, but I think the the basic sort of fundamental need of Diamondback fans everywhere is just to know they want to watch the game. I'm not yes. sure. I, yes. From an organizational standpoint, yes. I know it matters. I know that money is important. But until we get to that point where my ability to watch these games are threatened, you know, it's 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 a lot of legal. I heard even Derek Hall this morning with the morning show say, "I'm learning about bankruptcy over." night when it comes to stuff like this. So you got to learn that stuff on the fly. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Foo Fighters will be playing Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater on October 3rd. General on sale begins tomorrow. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. We're already there. The 4 o'clock resets, including a new state holiday coming up soon here in Arizona. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.